Welcome to another episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Today we're going to have Sean Elliott, the head football coach at Georgia State, on. Uh, after him, we're going to talk a little bit about two new NCAA rules that have come into effect uh, that continues the deregulation of the NCAA. After that, we'll get you out of here and so you can enjoy your great week. Sit back and relax. Enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. Joined by the head football coach at Georgia State, Sean Elliott. Coach, how are we doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, I think it hit 70 degrees today in Atlanta, and we're in the middle of spring practice, and I love practicing when the sun's out in the 70. Even more so, I love after practice when the sun's out in the 70. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong. Everybody complains, you know, about being on turf all the time in the summertime, but nobody complains about this time of year because it feels great when the, when that sunshine hits the turf this time of year. Listen, I, I'm, I'm a sunshine guy, so anytime that sun's out, I don't I don't really care. I mean, I want to be outside <laughs> in it. So, turf, field, grass, it doesn't matter, dirt, then uh, I'll be in the sun. You have been a, you have been a heavily requested guest, by the way. I, uh, I, I've had like 19 coaches tell me you got to get Sean Elliott on. You got to get Sean Elliott on. You got to get Sean Elliott on. Well, so we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But when I came and visited with your staff a few weeks ago, I, I made sure I wasn't going to leave there without you agreeing to, to come on the podcast. Well, you know, we, we have that discount now, right? <laughs> Did we negotiate that? Was that hey, it, the it NCAA was list? Is you got to be we got we got to keep it on low low. The NCAA discount, list. dinner, cold beer, which 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 one? I don't I don't know. We'll get it. We'll get into that. All, we'll get all it worked out. All right, so, you know, I was – let's jump into this thing. I was sitting here, and uh, I didn't really realize this. You you have been a part of ripping my heart out many times over my career, and I didn't even really realize the extent of – but in 2000, I'm at Troy in 2000. I'm a young buck. I was actually supposed to be finishing my last year playing, got hurt uh, preseason. That's how I got into coaching. I've told that story here before. But So it's my the end of my, my first year as being a GA student assistant, and you're at App State. In the playoffs, we're playing at home. We're rolling. I think we're the number one team in the country going into the into the playoffs. And uh, we had a just to give the fans a little background. Y'all were kicking our teeth in, and we came roaring back, back. Yeah, and took the lead. And then y'all hadn't done anything really in the second half on offense. And then you ripped my heart out with the wheel route down the sideline. Do you remember that? I, I remembered. I can't even believe you were on that staff. Was Wayne Bolt the defensive coordinator? Because Wayne Bolt was the defensive coordinator. Wayne Bolt was the defensive coordinator. I remember, you know, back in that day, day and time, the one double A playoffs had a reception for the coaches the night before. And we went, we all went, you know, our staff and y'all staff. I don't know if you went or not, but uh, I was probably driving. I just remember looking over and seeing Wayne Bolt and, and one of our defensive coaches. And there was about 19,000 beer cans right there in front of him. And I looked at one of our other guys and I said, I don't know how this is going to end tomorrow, but uh, those two guys right there, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But, yeah, no, I, I remember it. I even remember the name of the call. It was right trips tight. It was 446, S trail left. And uh, S was our, our, our tailback. And uh, we were in 12 personnel. And, and we pushed our tight end up, actually. And he ran a little skinny post across corner on the backside bit and that dog on wheel route spit wide open uh yep. i remember I, w- I was on the sideline and i remember i remember when they when when the receiver stuck his foot in the ground and, and our our corner reed trayvon he just takes yeah. off running i was like i just it was one of those that you saw it happening and i didn't want to look i just kind of 
yeah. dipped my head and was like, oh, oh yeah, boy, that, that was please a great don't one. That catch was a great it. game. That it was, was a great game. game. I went was the a... day before it rained like seven inches. It was a monsoon that day, the day before. It didn't rain enough. I wish it rained some more. We could have slowed <laughs> it down just a half a step. Well, I'm sorry but... about ripping your heart out, man. Oh, I got so I got that was one. Okay, that was one. Yeah. The second one. So my fourteen-year-old son Brock, he reminded me, and I'd forgotten all about it. I mean, I knew that we played the game, but I forgot the connection. Uh-huh. He asked me uh, yesterday, uh, coming home from baseball practice. He said, "Who's going to be on the podcast this week?" And I said, "Sean Elliott." He goes, "That's the head coach at Georgia State, right?" And I said, "It is." He goes, "Wasn't he the head coach when we went up there the, uh, a couple years ago?" And I said, "He was." And he goes, make sure you tell Coach Elliott, thank you for crushing me on my 10th birthday. And I started laughing. <laughs> and I and I remembered. So uh, Joey Jones, one of the greatest guys yeah. uh, in the business, and he was very uh, nice to allow me to do this. But my son's 10th birthday, we played on a Thursday night at Turner Field at your stadium. Okay, it was the first year y'all had the stadium in there. They had yeah. the football stadium in there. And um, he allowed me to bring my son on the road, you know, on for his birthday. He rode with me. We were going recruiting, you know, the next day or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he was all excited about it. And then we went up there and got our teeth kicked in. So uh, he, he wasn't he wasn't too excited after that. But he don't he told me to tell you thank you as well. Man, I, I tell him I really do apologize. I'll send him some money or something here. <laughs> kind of, not really, right? <laughs> like, kind of, not really. Hey, that was that that game that night. I believe we we had um, I think we intercepted your first pass. And uh, there was kind of something. There was a personal foul after that that interception. And the first that. time I'd ever heard this in my entire life. But the one of those, you know, these these officials, you know, you can't can't speak of whatever. You can't speak about. Them, <laughs> yeah, don't get fined on the podcast. Yeah, the guy walks over to me, says, "Coach, we're going to give everybody on your team a personal foul." I said, "What the f- are you talking about?" <laughs> he said. Every we're gonna stop this from the start. I said, "Stop what? The guy just hit us late." What? I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about, man?" And he then he goes, "Yep, everyone, everyone." And I was like, "Oh my!" I, said, I never in my life, yeah, uh, come across yeah, I, that. But man, yeah, I, I apologize to your son. That's all right. He, he'll be okay. He he didn't. He he was just kind of semi teasing. But <laughs> hey, I want I want to talk about you know. I always like I tell people all the time. I love having good good people. I mean, I like yeah. surrounding myself with good people and knowing good people. And I remember this story. I just didn't put it together until it was you until like last weekend. I was actually talking to Brian, uh, one of your assistants. But uh, you were awarded the NCAA Award of Valor in 2000. And that's only been given like seven times or something crazy in the history of the NCAA. But um, for saving uh, people from a burning van, can you can you kind of share that story? Well, it's crazy. That was the the season 2000. Uh, We yeah, that was a. Really a remarkable story. We had just got finished playing East Tennessee State University, and they were just across the mountain from Appalachian State, so about an hour and 20 minutes. And we had played a night game. We had won, and we were coming back across the mountain. And, and there's an old road that leads back into Boone, Highway 105. And so it was two buses and a van. And the van basically was leading the buses. It was our athletic training staff, uh, student assistants, managers. I believe there's – I don't know. I think it was a 15 passenger van. I think it was packed right. and they were all in there. Um, and, and I can remember it really, really clearly. And I'll never, I mean, this, this is one of those things that you, you never, it never leaves you. But uh, as we took a left on 105, we actually came to a stoplight and it was going to turn red, but it was yellow. So the van went on through 
and the red light caught the buses. So as the van turned left, of course, we lost sight of them. Uh, it turns green. We take the left. We come up 105. And as we're, as we're coming, we're coming into Fosco, North Carolina. It's about 15 miles outside of Boone. And uh, we come around this sharp curve. And we're coming right into the little town right there. And bright, I mean, huge fire. I mean, just when I say huge fire, it's one of those things. It's a movie. I mean, it's yeah. what, what you've seen. Immediately, I sit on the right side of the bus in the front seat. Stacy Searles sat on the left side in the front seat. And Rob Best sat behind me. Uh, Rob was our offense coordinator. Searles was our O-line coach. And I was the tight end guy. And the offensive bus was in, uh, ahead of the defense. And um, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's our van. You know, I, I immediately recognized our van. What had happened was a drunk driver coming around a curve, uh, crossed the double yellow line and hit our mm -hmm. van head on. Uh, when I say head on, I mean, he, he, he's squarely, I mean, I, I can't imagine he's probably run 60, 70, uh, hit it square on, um, immediately we stopped the bus. And here's one of those, those things that you, you, I always say you either got it or you don't, because you're either going to make that movement to go get into it, or you're going to sit back and watch it happen. Uh, yeah. We didn't hesitate. Myself, Stacy Searles, Rob Best, we immediately jump off the bus and we immediately get to the van. We get that door, the sliding door, just as everybody sees. Uh, rip that thing open as best we can. Get those kids out. Keep in mind, now I, and, and, and our team was back helping. But us three individuals went in the van. And when I say went in, in the van, we... The, the van is burning up the, the, the drunk driver in the other car, we, there was no saving him. He is, he is in the car. Just, mm. he burned up in instant. So we're in there and, uh, you know, we get most of them out, the driver and, and one of our, our student assistants that actually worked with us on the offensive side of the ball, uh, are real critically injured. Uh, we climb in there. When, when I say the, the, the dashboard is bubbling, uh, that's how hot it is. The driver is stuck in the driver's side. We break the seat down. Uh, somehow, some way, we remove the seatbelt and, and pull these guys out. And, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things. Had had we kind of sat there and watched, uh, you know, those guys would have, uh, who knows, really yeah. what would have happened. But we got in there very, very quickly. And it's one of those things you don't think about. You just react and. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. Everyone, for the most part, healed. Uh, there was a couple individuals in that uh, that van that, uh, you know, it took several months, if not years, and and still to this day have some lingering effects. But yeah, we were we were awarded the the NCAA award of valor, which was kind of special. I mean, it is special. Yeah, um, I mean, that's probably that's, only, better, that's the best that's that's the best award in my opinion. I know you 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 were. Are very quickly uh, collecting trophies at Georgia, at Georgia State right now, but that has to be, you know, as a human being, that that's got to be the top one you'll ever get. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really is. It sits it sits right on my table in my office, and I have a letter that uh, I can remember they read it. It was actually an ESPN broadcast, and we were up on the stage, and uh, one of the young men that that we saved his life, I guess, uh, that took a long time to recover, had had written a letter, uh, just you know, thanking us. And, uh, his name was Jonathan Taylor. 
uh, it's amazing. Just I can still just I can see it so vividly right now, and I can feel it. Uh, something you'll never forget. But uh, no. I want to change it. You know, I'd go right back in that van today if it if it were to happen tonight. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I, I think that was you know I, I read that and I remember the story. You know, not I didn't know you at the time, but I remember reading the story and was just like you know the selflessness because you could have you know it could have got you too you know and uh this the selflessness that it takes and and uh just as that's awesome man. i mean yeah. i know you've probably been told that a thousand times in the last 22 years but <laughs> i just think you know i think that's just big time awesome well, i appreciate it all right and so let's let's switch gears a little bit in 2015 uh you were named the interim head coach i remember this as well <laughs> uh when you got named the interim head coach halfway through the season um at uh south carolina What's uh, a few things here? What's like? Did you have any idea that that was coming, or would you kind of get hit hit by a surprise with being named the interim right in the middle of the year? <laughs> well, uh, I got hit by a surprise by Coach Furrier resigning during during the course of the year. I guess it was uh, following our, our sixth game, uh, so that was a I use the term gut punch. You know, yeah. here you are, you're coaching, and you think you're getting ready for a new opponent, and you're getting ready for a new I don't know. I really don't know what was going. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was shocking. Uh, once I kind of got over the shock, you know, we we met with the athletics director Ray Tanner uh, that evening. All of us coaches, assistant coaches, after Coach Burry came in and told us what he had decided to do, and uh, it, I immediately thought, "That's me." Uh, you know, that I have no doubt, Coach. Uh, Coach Tanner at that time they was AD or still is AD, and I, I remember telling him I was like, Psh. I was like, that's my job, you know. You don't need to look for anyone else. And they they talked with a couple assistant coaches at that time, and uh, you know it was it, it was kind of bittersweet when I say that yeah. because I get home, you know, I stayed up there until about ten thirty, I don't know ten forty five. I hadn't even really spoken to my wife. News was out. Of course, you know when you have a wife in that situation, she's thinking. We're fired, right? And I, you know, and I was too. Yeah. Said so I get, we get six games to finish this thing out, and then we're all cut loose. Uh, so I get home that night, and I told her, "Hey, there's a chance I'll be named interim head coach." And so I think it was about twelve oh four. She's crying. I'm up, and Ray Tanner gives me a call, and he says, "We're going to name you the interim head coach." And at that time, when such a a yeah, I'd already had a miserable night. But at that <laughs> right. time, I mean, when I say miserable, I mean you you got two kids, they're young, you got your wife, she's distraught. You don't know what your future holds. And uh, they just tell you you're gonna be the head coach of the University of South Carolina. And this wasn't just for a game. This was Yeah, you had, some, eight, you had some time. About eight weeks. About eight weeks. So um uh, you know, I I was I was really thrilled to death. It was it was it was shocking, but I, I knew as soon as it happened that I could be that guy. I could lead the University of South Carolina, and I was prepared to do it. And you know, it didn't work out quite uh, like I had hoped for. We played really well, and man, we came uh, we came really close in a lot of those games. We played. I think Texas A and M was a top fifteen team. Kyler Murray was a quarterback. We lose by seven at A and M. We fumble on the fifteen yard line going in to beat Tennessee uh, with with about thirty seconds to go. Lose to Tennessee. Uh, we, we played Florida to, a, I think, a seven-point game at home. And uh, and one of the things you got to understand, when you, when you get into a situation like that, 
no one's ever trained you. No one's ever uh, put you in a position to try to figure, figure out what, what to do. Uh, the number one thing was to, to keep the spirits of the players up. You, you right. had to make sure this, they weren't just going to, you know, bail out, just, just, just leave out and not finish this thing the right way. We were competitive. I did a lot of things that, you know, we, we, that were different. Uh, I mean, we, we, we tackled, we did a lot of things like that. And when I say tackled, that was one, some of the things that coach Spurrier liked to do all that much, but we were going to get back to, to playing football, you know, there you go. And, uh, and we did, and, and we played really, really close. And it was the third close loss to Florida. And I could just see it all, but you know, they, they've given everything they had. We beat Vanderbilt my first game and the next three were, I mean, we easily could have won and been sitting there four and oh, and, and we go and we play the Citadel. And I, I can remember trying to get across to our players in that locker room. Cause I knew that they would just, they were flat you know, and they yeah. didn't just had that look and, uh, the Citadel beat us. We actually uh, threw a touchdown pass to go ahead and win the game, and we had a tight end that false started. Uh, yeah, and and then the following week we we played the number one ranked Clemson Tigers to win them five points. So, you know, I lost. Uh, I won my first one. I lost uh, four by what was that? Twenty eight points, and then lost to the Citadel by I think what, six. So I didn't. I didn't fare too well. One in five. Uh, and then I hell I thought they were gonna kick my butt out of Columbia after that one, but you know and that was a hard, It was a really hey, it was a really tough situation, but I I had the best time of my life oh, yeah, coaching man. those guys. Yeah, I mean, I was, really did. Yeah, that was the thing is when I kept you know obviously kept up with it and everything, and and you could see immediately see how hard um, they played for you and how yeah. competitive they were, and then you know for that's why I love, I love watching you guys play now on TV. Every time I get you on TV, I'm I'm tuned in because I love the way your guys compete. I love the way they're they're physical. They never quit, and just and that's just refreshing from a coaching standpoint. That's just that's yeah. fun to watch. That's fun ball to watch when they compete and get after physically. So it's it's fun to coach like that. I no I mean, doubt. I, I mean, I co- I coach just like that. I mean, people think I'm a little bit nuts because I'm so. <laughs> I guess out of control, but in control to some degree on that. There's nothing line. wrong with that. I've been accused of. I've been, I may or may not have been accused of that before myself. Yeah, There's but you know, it's not. It's not in the head coach uh, manual that you that you coach that hard. You know, you, you get one of those. You, well, yeah, those you know, Is it like the book the, of secrets? Everybody's got the head coach manual. Hey, you're supposed to come. You're supposed to be the calm guy over there on the sideline. You know, analyzing all that stuff. I'm like, that, that's not me. That's, That's not me. So I took that manual and I burned it really, really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I got I gotta preface this, okay? This did not yeah. come from me. Okay. This question may or may not have. I don't know. It just Uh-oh. could have come from somebody on your staff that oh, they want. Yeah. All right. So just just don't shoot the messenger here, okay? Okay. All right. When you were a red shirt at App State, yeah, what happened to you in Myrtle Beach? Oh, jeez. Oh, well, yeah, that's a that's I have no part. idea what the I just just so you know, I have no idea what this response is gonna be. I'm just telling you this came from somebody on your staff. Well, let me just tell you this. I've lived a I've lived a crazy life. You you may want to do two podcasts with me because what I'm gonna <laughs> tell you it may have its own podcast. So uh so yeah, so it's it's my junior year at Appalachian State. 
Okay. Played my, my freshman year, played my sophomore year, and I had a knee injury uh, during the season. And that really doesn't have anything to, to do with this story. But the following summer, and this was really before everybody stayed up in the summer and right. and uh, and lifted and just didn't go home. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't summer school or anything like that. We all showed up in August, and, hell, we started playing again. Uh, but I moved to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> I moved to Myrtle Beach with three of my friends, and I worked on uh, Spring at Spring Maid Resort, and I worked on the on on the pier, and in the snack bar. (laughs) All right. Oh, so one night, you know, it's Myrtle Beach. You know, I'm from South Carolina. I'm Myrtle Beach boy. I'm Myrtle Beach all the way. You know, let's we get off work. I got off work probably about I don't know. I think snack bar closed at ten thirty on pier. Of course, you know, summer we're going out. You know, we're, we're hitting hitting the strip we're going to one of these clubs or something so it was about two in the morning and we were coming back me and my buddy my buddy sitting in the passenger seat uh I, i'm driving at this point a blue pathfinder and uh and we're coming back we're on ocean drive ocean boulevard i mean the way yeah, the oceans to the left and and you know hotels are everywhere and so we're coming up and at that time most of ocean boulevard was two lanes um, and there was a car, you know, just stopped in the road right there. It was a gray 300 ZX. And so I'm yep. coming up behind it and, uh, he, there's, he's not moving, you know? So I blow the horn, go around the car. Uh, and my buddy, he's like, Hey, get the hell out of the road. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, one of those things. Yeah, one of them. So I, I pull back in, I look in my rear view mirror. Uh, look at my buddy. I said, uh Oh, I said, here to come. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, we got something fixing to go down here. Uh, like I said, keep in mind, it's a great 300 ZX. It got nice T tops have been taken out and all this yeah. stuff. Well, we come up four lanes. I go into the left lane. This car goes into the right lane. Uh, as you can see, I'm anticipating the car pulling up beside us. You know, probably going to yell at us, flip us off or something like yeah. that back in the day. Wanting to fight, you know, who yeah. knows? Uh, and uh, the passenger guy get raises up out of the car. The T-tops has that one rail right there, yeah. you know, the, of the, the ceiling or and, and lays a little automatic machine gun on top of the car and sprays my car. When I say sprays my car, you could count 17, 18 bullet holes. Uh, you got to be kidding me. Oh, no. Through the course of my car, shot my friend uh, in the passenger seat. And, and keep in mind, I see it. I, I jump and pull the car as far as I can to the left. My buddy, he's trying to get away, so he jumps on top of me. Like, you know, jumps over towards yeah. me. I, I have no idea to this day why I'm sitting here. You know, I've been through a lot. I've done a lot of crazy stuff. But he gets <laughs> shot right in the thigh. And I promise you, he, he shielded me from getting shot. Uh, he starts screaming. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. rightfully so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I pull the car so hard. I about run into the hotels. I about run over people on the sidewalks. And I just remember that car taking off after, after I could get back and see what happened. And we were right there at the pavilion. So there's, there's roller, car, roller coasters, everything, lights. And I remember I floor it. And I, I try to get to wherever I can, you know. And, and so I get to this Exxon station up on a corner. I run in there. 
my buddy screaming. I run, I mean, I don't even think twice. I jump over the counter and the guy thinks I'm robbing him. <laughs> I'm trying to grab a phone to call 911. He's trying to grab me and I'm telling him I'm calling 911. I call 911. Long story short, my buddy ends up being okay. He just gets shot through the leg, you know. And uh, we come to find out that as they were stopped, they were talking to this young lady. Uh, they, they end up doing, you know, they were doing some things they shouldn't have been doing. But earlier in the day, they had shot a young man in the back that was walking down the street. And so uh, those two individuals are still in jail now for, uh, for murder. Golly. Uh, they but, they yeah, probably they, got an attempted murder charge on you, didn't they? Well, yeah. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have to really go into all that because of you know the the charges prior, but uh, they called them and uh, their girlfriend, the girl that they were talking to, turned them in, turned them in about I don't know about four or five months later, and uh, just just crazy. So, needless to say, I, I was about two in the morning. I called my dad at eight o'clock and I said, "Hey, I'm coming home. I packed yeah, up I my stuff. I moved out and left." So you've never told that story that nothing good ever happens after midnight. You've never said that before, have you? Well, I, you know, I've been out after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tried to give my kids some, uh, I tried to give my kids a speech about some stuff like that. Um, they're getting yeah. older. And my wife had to remind me like, you know, hey, you know. I, I do tell them this. I, I say, listen, you don't say anything to anybody in a car. You make, you no, don't blow yeah. your horn. Yeah, I say, you just, you just go around and you sit there patiently. Yeah, uh, but I learned my lesson. I'll sit there for an hour before I blow a horn at anybody. Yeah, I don't even know how we topped that. I mean, that, I mean, you you just got shot up seventeen shots in the in the car. That was what you could count. They shot my windows out too. Now, they shot my what, back they, What kind out. of gun was it? You didn't know. I couldn't tell you. I can picture it. Jeez, my Christmas. Man. But I know one thing. It went. You know, I mean, yeah. right up and down. It God was me. it was over in five seconds. That's insane. That's 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 nuts. I don't know how you transition off that. I'm not I'm not a professional enough podcaster to swat to to transition off that one. That's good. I tell you I'm what, going. I moved I moved straight back. I went went home and I said, "Hey, I'm going back to Boone. I'm going back." To Boone. <laughs> I'll see Wait. you guys. I'm, going, yeah. I'm I'm heading back. I'm heading back. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this. I know you're a big Braves fan, right? Yeah. And I am a huge Braves fan as well. And I saw you know it was it was awesome. You know, you and I got to I got to do it. Uh, First time ever, you know, I've always – I grew up – I'm from Anniston, Alabama, which is right across the state line. So, I grew up going to Braves games all the way back. Yeah. You know, Dale Murphy and Bob Horner and those guys. Heck, yeah. But, you know, they were they were terrible when I was – you know, until I literally got to about – I think it was a 90-91 where it was. Yeah. They started winning. So, I was – you know, I was basically my son's age now when they started winning. So, uh, but I got a chance this year, and I know you got to do the same thing. Got a chance to take my son to the World Series. Uh, I took mine – uh, I was wanting to come to Atlanta, but the prices were like insane. So I actually, how about this? You know, you know how crazy the ticket prices were for those games. Uh-huh. I got, I got, I got in the, in the, I got two tickets, traveled, hotel, and everything for cheaper for half the price as one ticket cost in Atlanta. We went to Houston, so I took oh. my son to Houston um, to see. This. I think we went, we went to game two when they got beat. But uh, how awesome was that to get to take your son to a World Series game? Listen, it, it was magnificent. Uh, we, I can't even remember. We played, uh, oh, we played Louisiana on a Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, that week, I, I told my son, I mean, listen, I said, the Braves are in the World Series. I got a chance to take you. We're going. Don't, don't worry about it. And I said, Louisiana, they'll be all right. We'll, we'll figure <laughs> them out. 
<laughs> and it, I think it was a Sunday night. And I, and I said, we're going. But it was just awesome. I mean, yeah. I, it, like I said, one of the, I, I'm one of those guys that I love doing things that you, you just typically don't experience. And for whatever reason, that ha- that happens all my time, all the time during my life because I just make it happen. Uh, so there wasn't no way I was going to not uh, take him to see that game. And uh, it, it wouldn't have mattered if we were playing Louisiana on that Sunday night. I would have probably still taken him to see that game because that's how important those moments are for me. Uh, Dude, that, that's, I, that's awesome. I mean, I, I'm the head football coach, but I remember telling those guys and staff, I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm going, you know. I, no, that's I'm, awesome. I'm not going to put our staff in jeopardy or our team, but but those moments, you, you, you don't it's get them just back. crazy. And I, I, I hope, you know, I wish more – more people were like that. I wish more coaches, you know, they, they, they take this game and they turn it into something that, that it's really not. I mean, it's not that hard to go out and win. Uh, you you got to surround yourself with good people and you got to surround yourself with, with a good system. And once you get that system in place, everything is taking care of itself. And man, go, go spend it with your family when you can. Uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cause you know, how, I mean, you know how it is in this business. I mean, I've been, I've been with some guys that are great family guys, and I've been with guys that, that haven't been. So I've been, I've kind of run the gamut with them. Uh, but it makes a difference, and it makes a difference for your staff too. When you're working for a head coach that's um, that's about family, it makes your life yeah. it, it makes your life at home easier. And um, there's and you've noticed it too. But there's a huge uh, push in our profession right now. People getting out of it because yeah. of. Uh, with the new rules we'll talk about in a second, but some of the new rules they've put in place that have really increased the time. You know, it was already bad enough, but have increased it, and they just had enough. And um, But that's awesome, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy for your staff. <laughs> I mean, well, they, you know, yeah. Our staff's uh, happy too now. We, yeah, we, I bet they are. I, I'm making um, – it's a point. They better be with their family. I mean, they're, they're better awesome. be – so that, that's, that's just who I am. That's, that's how it works. All right, you spent a lot of time uh, working with Coach Spurrier at South Carolina. Yep. Was he was he the best golfer on the staff? Because I know I've heard legendary stories about him playing golf. Is he the, was he the best golfer on the staff? He was pretty doggone good. You know, I never he would never let me actually play with him. He called me the or the group when I went and played. I was in the F group. That was the not very good group. Uh, but but yeah, he he's a solid he's a solid performer. Now him and Steve Junior and G. A. Mangus those those guys they'd go out and uh, they compete they compete. But uh, Coach Burke can hit the golf ball. He can shoot anything he did. He was good at. Coach, I, I have I have a, a very similar experience with that. So when I was on the staff here with Hugh, all right, he was big golfer. Okay, yeah. And so Hugh, Matt, Luke, Dan Werner, and John Miller they're the they were the A group. Okay, because they they went out there. They were there's you know, they were pretty much you know scratch golfers. Now Matt Luke's not a scratch golfer, but Matt, um, you know has a lot of birdies, like eagle. He he scores a lot. Okay, so I was only in the invited in the A group if it was a scramble format because I can hit it a long (laughs) way. So that's the only time I was invited is if it was if it was to the benefit of Hughes. So if we were if we were in a scramble format or they're going to play something that required distance. Sure. I would get I would get called up to the A group. If not, I was I was teeing off with the B group. So I'm yeah. on that one. So I was I was never never called up. <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. Got a chance to visit. One thing I wanted to bring this up. I got a chance to visit with you and your staff a few weeks ago. I was just 
blown away because I grew up, you know, we talked about it earlier. I grew up a Braves fan and mm-hmm. I've been in Turner Field a thousand times. And I and I got to see, you know, that first year the stadium and things like yeah. that. But you know how it is. You're coming in the visiting locker room, you're in and out and gone. I was blown away with how awesome y'all's facility is and what your university's done uh inside of Turner Field for somebody that's grown up and you've gone there and you got you know, the Olympics were there, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you had the Olympics there. The Braves played there for I don't know how long, how many years, 20 years or so, 15, yeah. 20 years. Just what a great stadium. Do you ever like – like you're at practice, okay? Do you like sit around – you ever had a moment you're like thinking about all the athletes and great sports moments that's occurred in that stadium? You know, it's it's funny you say that because, you know, we all have that recruiting spill or whatnot, but – you know, when, when, when guys come here on campus, when they come and visit, whether it's an official visit, an unofficial, a prospect day or whatnot, you know, I walk them out there on that field. And I just tell them to, to look around. And I point out the suites that we have. You know, I think we have 60-some-odd suites here. Um, and I just say, guys, do you, do you really understand where we're standing? I said the world's greatest leaders – have been in this stadium to watch their athletes run the world's greatest athletes. Some that have done things that will never be broken. Okay. They have set world records, Olympic records that will never be broken. I said, you get to build on, I guess the legacy of the stadium, the history of it. And then you have, you got the Olympics, you got the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you, you, I mean, think about those guys in here, the Atlanta yeah, Braves. The I, I mean, I came here and watched, uh, Mark McGuire, you know, when he was hitting the home runs. And, uh, I mean, just think about those guys. Greg Maddox, all those Muhammad guys. Muhammad Ali. Oh. Lit the I torch. Mean, yeah. Muhammad Ali lighting the torch. Uh, Muhammad Ali actually fought on our campus. Uh, so I talked to him. I was like, what – where else are you going to go that has so much history and so much more history to be made other than this place right here? was Turner Field, was Olympic Stadium, Centennial Olympic Stadium, now a Center Park Stadium. It's, it's amazing to think. And I, and actually, I came to the Olympics in 1996. I came and sat here in the stadium. I, I came and sat here and watched the Braves. I watched the, the Olympics, and here I am coaching the Georgia State Panthers. That's, that's, so it's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with this one. I just want to go ahead and let you know this question may or may not have also come from one of your staff members. I'm sure it has. So I have, again, don't shoot the messenger. I have no idea where this is going, okay? Okay. But they said it was going to be funny, all right? When the pregame clock hits nine minutes and it's time for you to give your players the pregame speech, what's the scene like? Chaos. (laughs) That's it. Chaos. (laughs) I mean – I, I'm just like a player. I sit in my office. I don't – typically, I don't even talk to the head coach before the game. I just don't like it. I'm trying – I'm trying – I'm serious. I mean – Just you're that competitive. You're, you're, you're like a player. You're getting your game face on. Oh, I'm getting I'm getting worse than that. I mean, I'm getting I'm, – it's there's violence. Uh, so, I come in my office, and I have – you know, I've got my – I've got a game day playlist. And let me tell you, it ain't – Okay. It ain't, it ain't for the faint of heart. I mean, it's shoot. It's all right. What's your what's your what's the one that do you have one that just gets your blood going? Like you have a song that just gets your blood going every time you hear it. You know, there's a there's 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 a few. 
I mean, there's a few. I mean, I really, I, I, over the course of my high school career, over the course of college, I mean, I've got some songs that just really take me to the doggone edge. I mean, uh, I told our players last week, I was like, uh, I told them we're going out and we're fixing to put pads on and stuff. I said, you got to let those animals dance in that head. So those animals start dancing. They start dancing in my head. And about that nine minute mark, I hit that locker room door and, and it, it's on. It, you don't know who I'm grabbing first. <laughs> typically, they're waiting. You know, they're ready they're, for it by now. They're waiting. They're waiting on me to come in, and I'm waiting on them to come at me. And, and sometimes it gets a little, little physical. Sometimes it's just. <laughs> hey, don't you know? Don't you know the veterans are grabbing the freshman the first game? Say, look now, look, coach is coming in here. Just it's all right. This is fun, you know. They're probably like like the you tell the players you always have that first plane trip. Somebody's never been on a plane before, so you have to yeah. have that conversation with them. One of them. It is. But I I hit that door. I kick that damn thing open, and they can look. If you, if you were to see my eyes, they probably say this man right here. Something seriously <laughs> wrong. Something seriously ready to go. Like I, like I said, them animals, the animals dancing. <laughs> you know, I got a I got a weird song that gets me that's on my list that has got me going, and I don't know why. But sabotage by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't remember really. I, like I didn't it. really listen to it a ton, like yeah. when I, except when I was getting juiced. And then, yeah. and then I don't know what it is, but that song just gets me. I'm ready to go. I mean, yeah. it just it gets me right. So that's always been my song. So I love it. It's the last one corn, I listened to before little, showtime. I got some corn. I got some Metallica. I got some you know, Foo Fighters. I mean, I, I, I got okay. I got some other stuff. I mean, it just. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it gets me going. Hell, it gets me going right now. If I were to play, I know. I'm. I'm I started playing in my head. I start getting a little, little jumpy. All right, what's uh? Let's get. I want to get a uh, at least get one serious football question out of here. Okay. I've, I've been asking a lot of the coaches this too. What are what's your general thoughts on the transfer portal? What's your what's your feelings on it? Yes, no, right, or indifferent. What what's your? Do you care? You know, for for me, it's. And let, let me just say this: It's different for for everyone else. You know, it, it really is. Uh, I think if you create a great environment, I think if you create a great program, I think if you you trust in your your team, you give them every opportunity to be successful. Uh, you treat them not equal, but fairly. Uh, that then you don't have a you don't have a real issue with it. Because uh, the genuine care for your players and what you do for those guys, they're not going to find that a lot of places. Now, some right. are, are a little immature to think uh, that's not winning the case. Heisman Trophy as a freshman. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the problem is it uh, it just gives them the opportunity to quit so easily. Now, it works two ways. You, you got the guy that he's a really good football player. And, and us at the group of five level here, we have to fend off the – the bigger guys, we get a good player, then then those guys have him up on their board, and they're 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 finding out a way to recruit him. And I, I'll be honest with you, I do not have a problem with any player that wants to go somewhere else that doesn't want to be here. Because if they don't want to be here, you don't want. I don't want them here. Yep. Yeah, I, I can go recruit players, uh, but if they're hard in it, um, then then so yeah. be it. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's your your livelihood, your yeah. staff's livelihood, your team that are putting guys in it. You don't want people that don't want to be there for sure, yeah. because that, I now, mean, that's they got to do it. They got to do it the right way. See, the problem is they don't do it the right way all the time. 
Yeah. Come be honest with me right from the forefront, right from the jump and say, coach, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And, uh, you know, I, I don't need to hear about the, the, the tampering that's that, that goes on without him entering the portal, that the recruiting has been taking yeah. place uh, before it's happened. And, uh, it, you know, it's no different uh, really than a coach. I mean, a coach can up and just walk out this door today for a better opportunity, you know, and, you know, it, shoot, I'm an, I'm an honest guy. I mean, yeah. we, we had a guy go to the university of South Carolina left here. He led the nation in sacks, went to the university of South Carolina. And, you know, I was really upset about it because I didn't think it went down the right way at first. And then I got to think about it. I said, hell, if the university of South Carolina calls me, I'm going to be the head coach there too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am. Uh, and, and be honest, you are yeah. too. Yeah. And, and every damn other coach in the country probably is that's sitting here. Where Absolutely. We yeah. So, so don't I don't blame him for wanting, you know, uh, not a better experience, but but something he thinks can make him better, and may maybe it can, maybe it can't, but that's for him to find out. Um, but it also works in a, in a way where it lets young men that probably doesn't have the most success at programs, it gives them an opportunity to get out. And, yep. and to be honest with you, I don't like it. The, even though they may not have produced here, it just gives them an easy way to say, you know, coach, I'm not quitting, but I'm going in the portal, which is exactly what they're doing. Yep. They're quitting. And, and I don't like quitters. No. The I, other I, thing, I coaching, is, you know, where, you know, you look at the amount of players that are on scholarship in the NCAA football. Okay. I can't speak for every other sport because I've never dealt with any other sport, but I know for football, how many come from a single parent home? Okay. Yeah. So, a lot of times that are coach or college coaches, the only male influence they've ever had in their life. And so when you start having to hold people accountable and for their actions and teaching them how to become a man, it, you don't, you don't always do that with snow clouds, bunny rabbits and my little ponies. Okay. So it gives them an easy button to hit. I don't like it. I'm, I'm gives them yeah. a, a quick escape. You know, where my frustration is with it is like, I agree. I'm with you. I think there's some parts of the portal. that's great. Yeah. But, the, you know, where I get frustrated is we should have seen all these issues on the front side and done some, you know, some rules and, and had a little bit of foresight of what was going to happen yeah. and have some rules in place and the way it's affecting high school recruiting to the fact of guys hitting the easy button when they get, you know, but there's got to be some, some you know. Well, well, here, I mean, listen, in, in high school it's happening. It started happening way before college. Hey, oh, I'm yeah. Trans, I'm transferring to this high school. I'm transferring I have a to button. High school. We have yeah. buttons inside our inside our system. We call it the high school transfer portal, where you can swap schools. And there, and it's insane. You know, I remember. I won't. I'm not going to blast him, but there's a young man we signed at Alabama that had gone, who's well known. Okay, like well known, like an NFL football player right now. Oh, may yeah. or may not be in your city, um, um, but that played at five different high schools and graduated at 19 years old, and he didn't He's graduate it because issues. it wasn't because he was a dumb kid who's actually very intelligent. Mm -hmm. It was because he transferred schools every year. And one of those schools he transferred from was a private school. Okay. And they got mad and they would not release their, his transcript to him because they charged him a bill. So he didn't have the money to get that. So he basically lost a year of high school because he didn't, because he transferred and they wouldn't they held him, yeah. held his transcript. So it's crazy. Hey, I'll give you another example really quickly. And, and, and these individuals, are, are getting bad advice. Uh, they, they're getting really bad advice. Yes, so we had a, we had an individual uh, this past season come up to us or come up to me and uh, they actually called me 
and said he was going to transfer. I was like, like I said, I said, hey, you don't want to be here. So what? Let him go. And then he showed up for classes for the spring. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, I was like, hey, man, transfer portal means quit. You're yeah. not on scholarship here. You yeah. don't get $1,200 a month. You don't yeah. get three meals a day any longer. He was like, what? I was like, yeah. yeah. You don't understand that? Who told you that you were going to be on scholarship? You told me you just quit. Transfer portal. You're in it. I said, you're out. I said, you need to think about what you're going to do now. You need to go, you need to go figure it out because you got yeah. some bad advice. And I said, and I apologize. And I said, that's how I run it. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's just so, and you you hit the nail on the head. The people I I kind of know who's who's advising these kids. The, where I used to get frustrated was like you you would have a kid that was heavily recruited out of high school, and mm -hmm. so he but he hasn't played, he hasn't developed, he hasn't played a lick for whatever myriad of reasons, right? Yeah. But they think as soon as they go in the portal that every single school that recruited them before is going to recruit them again, and they're not. Oh, yeah. So yeah, well, you know, we we've created it uh, a little bit with social media. And all these guys that throw out these offers, you know, next thing I know, I'm blessed to receive this offer. I've got 52 offers. I've got this and this. I mean, great hands. I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I'm all for it. But, you know, some of these guys, uh, there's really about four or five offers they get, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's insane. We, I got, I could have about four podcast episodes on that last comment you just had. I used to drive me nuts. Me and my man, I mean, Matt Luke, used to go insane. You'd have the number one player in America. He's got every offer to America, but he's going to put blessed to receive my yeah. 137th offer from Oklahoma Panhandle State. So I was, I, hey, we were recruiting, we were recruiting this young man, and um, he was, he was going up to to visit. Uh, where was he going? Somewhere in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, I asked him, I said, "Hey, buddy," I said, "Can you even point out Illinois on the map?" <laughs> I was like, "Honestly," I said, "Do you know where you're going?" He's yeah. like. Nah, nah, coach. I really can't. I was like, exactly. I said, what, what does it matter? You don't know anything about this school. What is it? Who cares if he offered you? I mean, you ain't I, going to school there. <laughs> I got a, I got a question along the lines of this. I'm going to ask you that. I'm just curious. Never yeah. asked the coach this. All right, so you, you get the magic pixie dust. Okay, the NCAA comes to you and says, Coach Elliott, you can change any NCAA rule, whatever you wanted to change. You get one rule to change. What rule would you change? Today, today, they came to you this afternoon. Well, now, now that everything is transformed with the transfer portal and and really uh, the leverage has all gone to the player, then I think I would I would be able to take scholarships based off uh, participation, whether they panned out or not. Uh, because to tell you the truth, right now we have to honor scholarships, but they don't have to honor their commitment to us, uh, the university. That's so an interesting. That's a I, that's an interesting take. I would like to be able to take it, but based off their athletic performance, because a, a, a young man, you, you can't take it for a young man that comes in late to a meeting. You can't take it uh, for a young man that runs a for whatever reason he lower now than he did in high school, or or he, he just has become lazy. Uh, he, he doesn't do the right things. You know, it, oh, it's, it's headed. Active. It's headed there. You may be ahead of your time. It's headed there. We're already in, in uh, NFL free agency, so yeah. it's heading there. I mean, the NFL can cut you for no reason. So yeah, well, um, I, I, I've talked to our compliance director about it. I said, you know, it's only right. 
I mean, if, if guy can walk up and tell me he's leaving today, why can't I just walk up to him and say, hey, you, you have uh, – this thing has turned into strictly a business now. And, and we're going we're gonna to make sure we're, we're business-like. You know, we had, we took a game that's been doing pretty good for like the last 125 years, and we tried to screw it up as fast as we can. Yeah, like I don't. You know, just... we didn't we didn't screw the game up. The game the, the game that we play is still fantastic. Correct. I mean, it is. You know, I, I think it's without a doubt the most unselfish sport there is. I, I tell our team all the time. You know, at any given moment, we only have 11 individuals out there watching. We may have 80 or 90 that stand on the sideline and cheer for our 11. I said, yep. that's amazing to think that we have that much unselfishness that we can stand over there and pull for just 11 guys. And some of us just hope to get at most maybe a 30 seconds of that 60 minute game, just running down on kickoff, but they are cheering and pulling and they're working hard and they're doing all this stuff, but only 11 can go play. That's right. I only mean, one it's, ball. It's it's only one ball. So I, I think the sport that we coach, the sport that we play, the game itself in football is the greatest game there is. Ever. 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 It just that's what bothers me is it's the greatest game. And then I just I still can't figure some of these rules, I can't figure out why we're doing it. I'll tell you some stuff off the air when we get done and it'll make <laughs> you make you die. All right, let's get some funny questions before I get you out of here. All right. All right. Waffle house or huddle house? Waffle house. There you go. You know, this is very disturbing. Okay, I, I need to complain because we're here in Oxford, and I've been promised a Waffle House for a long time now. I've been a Waffle House guy. Nothing nothing against Huddle House, okay, but I've yeah. been a Waffle House guy for a long time. And we've been promised one here in Oxford. Still has not showed up yet, so I'm, I'm waiting on that day to, to come. Hey, it's consistent. I don't care what time of the it day. It don't matter where you go, what time. It's, it's the same. Man, it's, it's awesome. I mean, too. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan. We used to go eat every. Uh, me and the, my wife and my kids would go eat on Friday mornings. Uh, that was you know, we played we we played our bowl game on Christmas Day, and uh, we, we stayed the night down there in Montgomery. And I told my wife, she goes, "What are we going to eat? Uh, you know, after the game and everything." I said, "Hey, guess what's open? <laughs> it's always open, baby. It's, it's always that." All right, so here's a critical question. All right, my yes. mom's gonna be a fan of this one. Do you like just the regular Reese cups, or are you an Easter egg Reese cup guy? Yeah, I'm I'm a bigger guy. I okay. like all Reese cups. All Reese cups. I don't care. Hang on. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Coach, we got we got. Oh, you got Hey, you can't. Hey, you came prepared. That I didn't know you were even a Reese cup guy, but I just figured every guy's a Reese cup guy. Look right? at me. Come on. I'm impressed. I really am impressed. <laughs> got Reese cups in the office. Got to love. I got this. All right. If you were not a football coach, okay. If you did not become a football coach, what profession would you have done? Oh hell, I'd probably be a drill sergeant. <laughs> there you go. Army, <laughs> Navy, Air Force, <laughs> Marines. Where are we going? Yeah, I'd probably be Marines. I'd probably be a yeah. You, you, you. I would. I would definitely say you. You're more the Marine type guy. But you know, hey, you know what though, I, I. I'm one of those guys, I was going to be a coach regardless. See, I went to school knowing I was going to be a coach. See, people don't really understand that. Some people go yeah. to school and they play football and they, they they really don't want to go do anything else. And they say, oh, I'll coach. Hell no. I, I went to school. Shit. As soon as I walked in, I was like, I'm going to be a coach. Yeah, That's what I'm going to do. That. 
I mean, I actually went. To, I'm going. I'm going to make you laugh here. I, I actually went to school. I went when I went to Auburn out of high school. <clears throat> I started out in mechanical engineering. Yeah. And so I would like to thank Dr. Mills uh, at Auburn University, who who taught chemistry 163 my first semester. Um, that I made my mind up after test number one that I no longer was going to be a mechanical engineer because I was really confused. I thought being an engineer was about driving trains and it wasn't. And so when I took chemistry 163, I, I called my parents. I was like, I'm done. I went straight to physical education. So I went from mechanical engineering mm -hmm. and we were on quarters at the time at Auburn. So I wasn't even in it long. Yeah. Um, and so I went from, I went from mechanical engineering to PE real quick. So yeah. Thanks Dr. Mills. He doesn't no. see, so he doesn't know he impacted my life and he doesn't even know it. So hey, them, them educators, they, that's, they're amazing. That's what they're there for. All right. So, all right. Last question. I got to end. I'm going to end with this one. Do you right. know when you and I had a somebody, uh, somebody on your staff that listens to the podcast commented on something I said a couple of weeks ago? Do you have, and I told anybody who ever comes up with the idea of doing a full photo shoot for recruits, I said, I would like to throat punch the person who came up with that idea. And so I'm going to ask you in front of, and we have a lot of personnel people that listen to this too, and a lot of football coaches. I have gotten more text. And more calls by like, yeah, I want to know who came up with that too. We got to figure this thing out. But I'm going to ask you, Coach, do you know the guy who came up with the idea of doing full uniform photo shoots with the recruits? Hey, I don't know if this is on record or not, but <laughs> it's about to I be. Know, I know when I went to South Carolina, and and I very well may not have been the first, but I I do know when. When I went to the University of South Carolina, I said something to the effect, why don't why don't they put on their shirt everything? And coach, I, we did coach. it one junior day and all hell broke loose. It was the greatest thing ever. Now we were there all day and all night because they were putting on stuff, they were putting on shoes, coach. putting on man, we had it going. So I don't want to say it was me, but we you may get you may get some we, hate mail. Yeah, I'm telling you. And, and to this day, I keep telling our guys, I'm like, uh, can they just try on the jerseys today? <laughs> oh, see, so you go the other way. Coach, I cannot I cannot describe every single person I talk to. They're like, you know, they're getting worse. They're not getting better. They're getting worse, especially with the new rules coming through. And they're like, you're oh, yeah. and everything. So it's getting worse. Everybody needs a photo shoot now. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, and now it's like you go recruit somebody. So now he brings his posse of 75. Now we got parents getting in uniforms. Oh, yeah. And then, like, and you're sitting there, and you have to watch it like a hawk because they can't leave the room with it. You got SEC rules if you're in the SEC that are different than NCAA can't rules. Go out, but yeah, can't go out, can't on, go the out on, a, on the field. You know, if they leave with gloves, you just you, – you, oh. you I mean, just – oh, hey, man, we get it's them just in a nightmare. There. Some of them want to – they'll say, hey, I want to be in that white jersey too. I want to be in that blue jersey too. I want to be in that oh, black yeah. jersey too. And then some will say, Coach, you, I wear size 11 cleat. You got me on a 12. I'm like – just put on that cleat, man. Just put on, please. Just help put on me, that cleat. Help me help you. Help me help you. So, hey, are, are we going look, on record and saying Sean Elliott is the reason that we're doing photo shoots all over the United States I, of America right now? I don't know about that. It's not the photo shoots, but the full the Full, full fledged. Yeah, not this jersey. I'm talking yeah. about the full fledged uniform. Um, are you going to take credit for it? Yeah, I don't. I probably can't take credit. That'll, that'll I wouldn't. Really <laughs> hey, but I will tell them this <laughs> if they'll do this. You know, you can buy you can buy those little small set of lacrosse pads. Okay. You know, and, and it's very easy to throw them on, throw them off, get them out. Okay. And you don't have to put the shoulder pads on and all that stuff. And it's so hard to get. 
you must have been the first one because you've already amended the rules. You've already oh, yes, started to find the shortcuts. Because have you ever tried a dog and put the jersey over the shoulder? Oh, coach, it's, it's unbelievable because you always, you know, the players are bad enough. But when yeah. you start getting parents and look, parents haven't seen a weight room in like 10 years. Okay. And so they don't fit. Those jerseys are small. Oh, and they're so they're tight. like, the jerseys are so tight. I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they are. And so this doesn't look good on me. Can we get a, can we get a, 4X and number one. No, number one doesn't come in 4X. It comes in medium. I mean, you can't, you know, it's, oh, oh yeah. So, I literally so got, I, I've gotten two complaints from two different personnel guys today about photo shoots. So, yeah. and they're already looking because now dead period's over with and all these people are going to start coming to campus. And so they're already like dreading Saturday. I mean, Saturday is going to be a nightmare across the country with photo shoots. So it's, uh, it, it's one of those deals that, you know, yeah, good thing I'm the head coach. and That's right. You can tell somebody else. Hey, I'm not going to be about uh, like what, like what's his name down there in LSU. I'm not going to be in the old day. <laughs> hey, you're not going to get in there and you're not going to, you're not going to get with it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I might, might take the photo, but I ain't getting in the old, you know, that, that, that type of business. You know. <laughs> you're not going to say family anywhere. No, nah, probably not. Probably Pretty not. good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get you out of here before we get you in trouble. But, Coach, yeah. I just want to thank you for your time, man. I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we could – I could have asked you. We could have been on here forever. Um, I think you're one of the great guys. I, like I told you, I, I love – I love visiting with your staff. I think, you know, you got such fine guys there, and I love the way your guys compete. Um, and for me, that's the kind of ball I like. And then I, you can't comment on this, but I also want to thank you because you did very good for my pocketbook this fall. Uh, covering spreads. So thank you. And thank you to all the people in Vegas who would like to say thank you on that as well. Don't say anything <laughs> on that. Don't comment on that so you'll get in trouble. Yeah, but trust me. Right. Coach, I want to thank you so much for joining us and uh, can't wait to see what you do this fall. Yeah, man. Well, we're working hard. I appreciate it, man. It's it's awesome to talk. You know, the, sometimes I think we need to have five guys doing a podcast at once, you know, kind of like a round table podcast. But Don't we tell Raquel are... that. Raquel, Raquel, she, she, was, she tells me, she said two's enough. Hey, I need her dad. I'd love to sit down with him. He probably doesn't even remember me, but uh, I, I was up there at West Virginia a few times. We went up there to visit when I was at App State. So I'd love to sit around and talk some ball with that guy right there. Or just He's not very about, far down the road now. He's only an hour down the road from you now. I know, Jacksonville State. I'll make sure to keep them off the schedule. Appreciate right, you. Coach, appreciate you. I want to thank Coach Elliott for joining us today. He's just an unbelievable guy, um, terribly funny. Got a chance to go visit with him and his staff a few weeks ago. Um, just thoroughly enjoyed it. Could have sat there and talked forever. Um, unbelievable coach. You really need to take a chance and watch those guys play. Uh, anytime you get a chance, just how hard they play, uh, the passion they coach with. It's a really fun group to watch. So I encourage everybody that listens to make sure uh, we're going to adopt Georgia State as one of our favorite teams. We're going to keep riding them. Uh, this fall when we get around to the lines and pick them because uh, they're just a fun team to watch. This week, the NCAA proposed two rules, one which is going to be retroactive and go forward. Uh, the other one's going to be voted on here, I think, in April. Uh, one is on the visit limit with a prospective student-athlete. Okay, In the history of time, a student-athlete has been allowed five official visits. Now, if they play multiple sports, they can take other visits in that sport, but for the most part, Five is what you get. This has never been a problem. I would say less than 10%, I mean, maybe even less than 5% of all athletes actually take less than their five 
visits anyway. And so they've all of a sudden, I don't know what the problem was, but it's going to create a problem from the school's perspective. Because now a lot of these schools, especially in destination areas, are going to have to up their recruiting budget because they're going to have to bring guys in. And you're going to say, now what exactly are you talking about? So when you have a five-star athlete, a lot of these kids are using official visits as vacations to begin with. They know where they're going. And so they're, if they know where they're going, I'm going to take four free vacations to other schools. There's nothing wrong with that. Go do it. But there has to be a limit on it. Because some kids, you, you can write it down, some kids are going to take 20 or 30 official visits. Now, not to be that extreme, but they're going to be somewhere every single weekend. And, that's go- and then why is that a problem? Okay, well, if I'm running recruiting at Ole Miss, okay, which I did twice, and all of a sudden this five-star athlete out of Houston, Texas, wants to come to a game this weekend, we're going to have to have him in, whether we're in his top 75 or not. If he wants to come to the Egg Bowl, that's a game that he always watches on TV and he's interested in going on vacation, we're going to have to have that guy in. We're going to have to entertain him. And that's not cheap. And when you're bringing in your flying, it's not as simple as flying someone in and putting them up in a hotel. There's dinners involved. There's setups involved. There's peop- other people involved that have to take around those people. You're looking at a very expensive proposition for all these universities. And so when you're in a destination location, how about San Diego State? Who wouldn't want to go on a weekend trip to San Diego and spend the weekend out there? Some five-star guy want to go to San Diego for the weekend? Sure. And they have to host him because it's their shot. And so you're going to create all this issue, but at the same time, we're not increasing the number of official visits that each institution can have. So it has been 56 for a long time. And so when you're having to host these players that you're never going to get, it's going to take away from guys that you're actually going to be able to sign. So further hurting the chances of signing individuals in high school, which I haven't figured out why we're doing it. Because no one can tell me what the problem was. I've called, I've asked. No one can tell me that there was a problem that some student athlete didn't get enough official visits to make up their mind. That's never been a problem in the last 22 years that I've been involved with the NCAA institutions. I don't know why it's a problem now. There seems to be a lot more issues that we could attack but this one. So look for that to go through and then create more burnout uh, in the recruiting world. The next rule that was changed uh, this weekend, which was kind of, I guess we can really call this the deregulation of the NCAA is they have changed uh, marijuana uh, rules and drug testing. Okay, so it's really important to under- for the fans to understand there's two different types of drug tests. You have an institutional drug test, which occurs more frequently, usually around once a month and once every two months uh, by the institution, some more frequently than others, okay, but they do happen at a more regular basis. And then two is the NCAA drug test. The NCAA drug test has always been more strict but it only happens once or twice a year. So with the NCAA drug test in the past, if you popped on a marijuana marijuana, uh, on your drug test under 35 nanograms, okay, that's really important to remember here, 35 nanograms. So what 35 nanograms would get you is if somebody smoked weed in the last month, you're going to pop on a test under 35. Um, And you would get these results back with levels of THC in your system. Anything above 35, that means they smoke really frequently, okay? So a human being like the big guys, they're going to hold it in their system longer than smaller guys, than skilled guys. 
or they smoke it a ton. So if you if you smoke, if you're a you know everyday smoker, then it's going to stay in your system and build up. So 35 was the mark forever, and you would lose half of your games. If you pop twice, you would lose a full season. Well, the NCAA just went and raised it to 150 nanograms, and then you can basically fail this thing like three or four times before you have to do anything about it. So they've basically done everything but just throw it out the They made it as far away from popping on, on marijuana. If you pop on a marijuana test for the NCAA right now, you have a legit problem. That's basically what they're saying. Because you can smoke basically the week before and it'd be out of your system or be below the levels. And so with all this going on and the deregulation, it's just funny to me what we're choosing to deregulate, whether it's marijuana or visits, but we're not addressing the situations. Uh, when it comes to the visit problem, there's going to be a lot of high school coaches that are pissed off because every weekend their players are going to be leaving and going places. And so it's going to take away from the high school program as well. So it would be very interesting to see uh, what goes on uh, in this deregulation process uh, with the visits and the marijuana because a lot of the school's policies are going to have to catch up with the NCAA policies now, and that's very loose. So that would be probably the most interesting thing to see is if these school policies catch up with the NCAA. A lot of these schools are very um, conservative, and 150 is unacceptable. They've been at 35 and below. So will the school policies match the NCAA policy? Uh, will be interesting to see moving forward. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, check us out on YouTube, Home Visit Siski on YouTube, Home Visits Tyler Siski and the Associates on Apple, Spotify, and all the good places you can find podcasts. We're on MPW Digital. We're everywhere. Uh, make sure you like us. Give us a three-star review because you know we love our three-star review. And until next time, take care. Thank you.